0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Shot Collars episode five. Brandon Wirth here alongside my co-partner, Joe Nagy. What's happening, Joe?
1: It's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's raining. I'm in my basement. Basement kinda of flooding right now, so hopefully it doesn't do too bad, but it's a vibe nonetheless. I'm happy to be on the show, so
0: Yeah, that'd be quite an experience doing a nice sports pod and you know, pretty much underground pool. That'd be kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, some water coming up or anything <laughs> like that would be would not be fun, but it would we'll not see at all. Happens. Yeah, for sure. Got a
0: whole docket here on the show, as you can see on the bottom line. Lots of great stuff to talk about. Of course, we have to talk about the NCAA and LI situation, of course. But first, we hop sure, right sure. into the NBA Finals. Game one in the books. Phoenix taking the dub, 118-105. In the opener, Joe, what would you think about the Suns opening W?
1: Suns in four? Suns and four maybe? Who knows? Maybe repeat. But <laughs> I think they did really good. Um, you know, it's I definitely don't think that they're gonna go Suns and four. I know a lot of people are just saying maybe they can do that again for the uh for the fan that uh had the altercation when they played uh Denver, but I think it's gonna be a good series. I don't I don't know Giannis and uh and that team is gonna lay down lightly. Uh i I'm not gonna say is Chris Middleton playing or is he injured right now? He was playing. He was? Okay, for some reason I thought I heard someone say he was injured, but those two, that uh, duo, I don't think they're really going to be stepping down to anytime soon, so uh, give it time. I, they'll probably step it up in Game 2 or Game 3, one of those, but I don't think they're going to get swept, and hopefully this goes to a Game 7, because uh, these two teams, it's been a long time coming, and I'm excited.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I would love to see both of these teams in, in a Game 7, and we saw a lot of that competitiveness. I mean, looking straight up on the stat chart, not a lot of difference. Pretty equal sided basketball about both sides, offensively and defensively. Um, I th- honestly, like, not saying like it's, it seems seems like it's just a turntable. The record's just spinning around every time we come on the show to talk about the Suns. Because I think the difference was Chris Ball in this game. He was the guy that, oh, yeah. when in those equal stretches, he was the guy that pulled him through. I mean, he's he's been that guy time after time. And, no matter what situation he's in with this team, no matter what lineup, it just seems like he's the guy and everybody in the entire arena knows it. And what he does is, I mean, the pick and roll game that they have with DeAndre Ayton, absolutely unstoppable. And really like the Bucks should have hypothetically like an equal match as far as that position to defend that pick and roll, but... Chris Paul, his his veteran ability and him working with DeAndre Ayton, pretty much has given the Bucks real fits. Even though on paper it shouldn't make that much fits. I mean Giannis, he's as big enough as it is, and then you got a great defensive player like PJ Tucker. And really, it's like, okay, how are they not getting pat? Like, how are they not stopping this? But in the reality, I mean it's just Chris Paul's just playing a little bit better offense than that defense is. And that's oh, really, I mean, his 32 points were what really kind of gave this game away a little bit. Now you could say that the bucks kind of gave away some shots, um, some easy ones. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> we need to get Giannis some free throw practice this upcoming off season, but anyway, there's still a lot of series left. I'm really excited. This will certainly not end in 7, but or sorry, not end in 4, but I don't know if it'll end in 7, but we'll get into that in here in just a minute. But then the following question I guess and Joe is are we going to see this this series knotted up after game 2 at 1-1? One, one, this is a bounce back opportunity for the Bucks in game 2.
1: No, oh, cuz I'm Chris Paul's a floor general and when he has the assets that he does right now with with Booker behind him, he has Aiden down in the middle. And then he has a Crowder as well who can kind of be a little uh, a force to be reckoned with in the paint. Having all those together plus Chris Paul's ability to form the team and be the guy that starts them out and kind of gives them the direction of where they need to go is something that I don't think the Bucks have just yet. Giannis is their, their captain per se, but he's not a guy I don't think that has the same type of I guess gusto as Chris Paul does who can really step up when it's needed and is more of like the hey let's slow the play down or he tells guys where to go or what to do. I'm sure he does that, but I don't think it's just with the same amount of kind of a commanding, uh commanding presence that Chris Paul has. So especially being in the Phoenix, I think it's probably gonna go two O but once he goes back to uh goes back to the Bucks and goes back to Milwaukee, I think they're probably not it up then. It'll kind of be kind of the back and forth. I think the biggest thing is going to be home court advantage because right now Phoenix is popping. I know Milwaukee's going to try to match that energy as well, but I think as long as Chris Paul is feeling comfortable and as long as he's got basically the hold on the reins and everyone's healthy, I think Phoenix could could take this 2-0.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, the Suns didn't shoot very well from the outside, not as normal. I mean, Devin Booker... Jamison Crowder combined one of thirteen from deep. That's not going to get it done, as far as no, shooting, well. shooting that consistently. I mean, with this Bucks team, they're very good defensively. They had a little bit of an off night game one. They let a couple things slip, and I think Mike Budenholzer is going to do a, a great job of adjusting. We saw that in earlier series against um, Atlanta, and we saw that even before then against the Brooklyn Nets. So there's going to be adjustments going to be made. I don't question that whatsoever. It's going to be the abilities of how I feel like their offense is going to be contributing. Because, I mean, we know what they can do defensively. We saw them shut down. But we know the Suns are going to be a great offensive team regardless. You're going to have to capitalize on bad nights in a series like this. And that's what I, I have to see Milwaukee do in order to jump on that train. Because, I mean, Giannis is a, our right offensive player. He's not... I wouldn't consider him elite as far as... Being able to put the ball in his hands, end of a game, like we saw with Chris Paul, like we see guys with LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, where we can just hand the ball to them and we can expect yeah. a lot of damage at the end like of ballgames. Ball game. We're not, yeah, yeah we're not going to see handles that. Handles
1: are not there, his handles are not there. No, so like if he's that. A that... He's gone... Oh, sorry, Brady, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, keep going. Well, if you see him, like, go up one-on-one against guys that, like, he has, a, like, ch- a chance to kind of do something. He usually just tries to do a few, like, in-and-out dribbles and get him to bite. But it's so slow, and he doesn't have the crisp movement that he just starts backing up again. And then he pushes forward. But there's not any separation in the paint at all. So they all just collapse, and then he misses the free—he missed the layup. He might draw a foul, but we've seen his ability—like you said, Brandon, his abilities at the free throw are atrocious. He's not— great and he's taking 15 seconds to shoot a ball anyways from the line so it's just, he doesn't have that you're you're right brandy he does not have that ability to really take over when it's needed
0: yeah i the the guy on that team is middleton like he's he's that guy and i mean he's he's taking he's taking a lot of shots and that's i mean for good reason you'd love to get your best offensive player the most touches but i mean we saw huge games from Brooke Lopez. We've saw huge games from PJ Tucker. And we've I think really the most underperforming player in my mind, uh, after game one was Drew Holiday. I mean, he's a much better offensive player than putting up ten points. And I mean, four fourteen shooting. Drew Holiday's much better than that. We've seen way better from Drew Holiday. So if he steps up, That defense clamps down. I think we're going to see a little flip of the script. I think it'll still be a close game because Phoenix is coming out red hot still. And if they shoot the ball a little bit remotely better on paper, this game should say game two should not be close in Phoenix's favor. But obviously, I think that coach Budenholzer is going to get them close. But the final question then, I guess we need to ask, Joe, I know it's only game one and we got a lot of series left. But is this game one the ticket to punch? for Phoenix holding the Larry O'Brien trophy?
1: Oh, it's – it's it, like you said, it's a little too early, especially like we've seen Milwaukee been able to kind of come back from these situations and also how they've been able to play in the playoffs. Like, they're in the finals, so they're not a slouch team. And they were able to come out of the East, which was surprisingly uh, more competitive than it's been in years past. So I think <laughs> – I think that the it'll this game will, will kind of reflect how it's gonna go. Bucks might steal maybe one, two, maybe three and four to Game Seven, but it'll most likely be uh, maybe one or two wins for the Bucks, and Phoenix will be able to hold it up and kind of have that really long drought fulfilled again. But I don't think the Bucks are gonna go down lightly. I think this first game is gonna be a indicator of of what the suns can do and can they keep that up and if they do suns in five probably but if they don't maybe six or seven
0: yeah i mean right now like i'm i i love watching the suns team play and it's just for how how dynamic that that offense moves they're always in sync. They really have good chemistry. I really like what I see there. And I see, I see some of that with the Bucks too, but that's the consistency on the offensive end is a little bit interesting. Cause I mean, the, the fact is in these type of games, like we're, we're going to see good defense at points, but when it's you're in the fourth quarter and I mean, relatively in this game, like Milwaukee was like out of it by the third quarter. But if it's in that case of being in the fourth quarter and you're knotted up, like I'm looking at this Suns five and I'm looking at the Bucks five and like this, like you're gotta be able to try and keep the Suns off the line as far as in foul trouble or being able to chase them off the line from three point range and try to get them inside more because this team has a lot of deadly shooters. Jim, I mean, Jameson Crowder, Devin Booker, we mentioned, of course, can light it up. Miles Bridges, Chris Paul, especially, and Cameron Payne, and those guys off the bench too. There are no slouches from beyond the arc. So, really, like the the Bucks really have to do a good job of locking down in that la, in the fourth quarter, and they did that a little bit in Game One. They outscored them, I believe, it was twenty nine to twenty five or twenty six. I believe in the it yeah. twenty six in the fourth quarter. Like they won the fourth quarter, but in the reality. If, like, they have to be able to stay in striking distance and then hold it down the stretch. Because we've seen them play good defense early on, let it slip up a little bit, and then the result ends up changing by that time the game's over. So, just the consistency. That's really, I think, the only thing. Like, the Bucs have so much potential to win a championship. I mean, real in reality, I mean, you look at both of these teams, I can find a lot of reasons why the Bucs can win this series. And a lot of it comes down to their size. They have a size advantage, and they should use it. I mean, they beat the Suns on the boards in Game 1 for a reason. This team's big, and they know how to get on the glass and win that gritty style of basketball. But until we get to that style of basketball, where the, Buc- or the Suns are still getting open shots, they're still having free reign in the open floor and fast breaks, until that stops and we start playing 5-on-5 half-court gritty basketball, like, the Suns, I think, are going to run away with this one in probably six games. I could even make an argument in five based on the momentum run and that Giannis isn't 100%. If Giannis goes on the limb at any point in this series, it Suns have a really good chance of taking this series, and the Bucks are going to be in a little bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, uh, as long as Bucks, like you said, use that size advantage, bully him down low, because, I mean, DeAndre Ayton and Jay Carter can only stand that for so long. Because other than that, I mean, you have... Devin Booker who's what, six one to six three, Chris Paul, who's I think six foot six one. If you bully him down low, especially since they have I mean, four I think four other five starters on the Bucks are oh, aren't they over six five or six six, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So if you just use that size advantage, then there's nothing that you really can't do, especially if you just go to small ball. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean so many teams have won championships doing the small ball, doing the right things and kind of playing it like that. If you're, not playing, if you're not shooting well from the outside, move it down on the inside maybe. And I think that's what the Bucks are going to have to recognize is if they're not playing so well or if one of the things not clicking, go to the thing that is and pound that until, the, until you can't do it anymore. And I think uh, as long as they do that, that's a chance for them to have some competition in this finals. Absolutely. So, Joe, you got,
0: you got Suns in five or in Suns in six?
1: I'll say Suns in six. I, th- okay. I think uh, Milwaukee will steal two.
0: Okay. I'll be the I'll be the one guy that'll try to will it to will it to happen. I'll say Suns and 7 because I would love to see 7 games of this because I'll, I'll, one thing I will point out before we switch over to MOB, like these two coaches have done a fantastic job. Monty Williams and Mike oh, Budenholzer. Sure. They've done a fantastic job because I mean, we've got so many big market coaches out there that a lot of teams are looking at as far as who are they going to bring in. I mean, we just saw Chauncey Billups going to Portland, who could be a brand new, really, really high billboard kind of a coach. I mean, who wouldn't want Big Shot as their head coach, of course. And there's so many other coaches, Steve Kerr. I mean, talking about Doc Rivers and with what he was doing with the Clippers and now what he's doing with Sixers, Current Clippers, Coach Ty Lu. Like, there's so many big-name market coaches out there. And just the fact that these two... A little bit under the radar, climbing their way up the ladder and doing such a great job, really kind of showing that this really has been a fantastic. These two have been really fantastic teams to see develop, especially over time. Because I don't know about you, but I wasn't looking at the Suns necessarily a couple of years ago as finals contenders in a no. couple of years, and the Bucks no, were always, sense. Bucks were always there, but they just couldn't get the next step up. Now that they're finally here. What are they going to do with it? Going to be really interesting, but before we move into MLB, don't forget to check out the fire pit on the fire pit torch, um, platform I should say with with the Ferris State newspaper. Don't forget to check them out on their podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever you get your podcasts on. Really good content. Yeah,
1: Always you might
0: plug-in. you might hear my voice on the sports section. Just as a heads up. But anyway, you on me, Brandon? You cheat no, on no, 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 right no, 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 no. Hey, I do All work right. for the torch, though, my friend. So Army, I, I do, do have a slight I obligation. I promise I. I... Hey, I would never cheat on you, my friend. Ever, ever, ever. There That's we go. You, Brandon. <laughs> this was a nice romantic moment on air <laughs> right now. But anyway, Major League Baseball All-Star break coming around the corner. I mean, four days, four days and we're on the All-Star break. I never thought oh, I'd yeah. say it because it's been so long. But we have we have an all-star game and a home run derby coming. And we've got a lot of great no action. Yeah. My I, time. Joe, <laughs> for sure. Going into the teams here um, for the American League, Salvador Perez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon sneaking in from the Blue Jays. That one was a little surprising to me. Uh, Rafael um, Devers, Xander Bogarts, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, to... Teoscar Hernandez, and, of course, Showtime Otani rounding out the American League lineup. Um, Lots of... I mean, that's a pretty stellar team right there as far as I think a lot of them are deserving. Um, Yeah, for the starters. I mean, obviously, I believe Otani needs to be in there. And shout-out to Shohei Otani, by the way. First player ever to be nominated as both a hitter and a pitcher as far as being in the starting lineup as possibly... Pitching and hitting. I would love to see that. It's not going to happen though. He's probably going to play DH I, and then he maybe I come just, out of the bullpen.
1: But I'd say just let him pitch the first inning and then let him come up at uh, like maybe at like number four with a DH and then let's see what happens and then mm-hmm. like maybe take him out the next. I mean that's what they do anyways. They only do like one inning for each pitcher usually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or like if it's a starting pitcher, they'll maybe let him go two or three. But like other than that, it's just, it's usually just like changes after changes after changes.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's definitely fair. Um, I am a little surprised as far as, um, I like like I said, Marcus Simeon a little bit. He's been playing really well, so I will give him that. Um, well, I I think he's deserving of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just really surprised that like Jose Altuve didn't get voted in. And I understand like I I, I firmly believe Marcus Simeon's been playing better baseball. Just the fact that we've seen a lot of the times where. The voting hasn't necessarily gone to that yeah. it's gone to bigger names like obviously well, i mean mike
1: trout got in when he's been on the il for like what is it 60 70 days so yes
0: like, so it's just like,
1: like, like it's all about the fan base and what i mean of course i mean i get it's mike trout but like there's a lot of times where players who aren't deserving of it like didn't aaron judge make it like a like a year or two ago or something like that when he was playing like absolutely trash baseball but they just voted him in anyways because he hit so many home runs the year before.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, it was kind. Of, it was pretty similar to that. Boating
1: but it's a little bit weird.
0: It is a little bit weird. And like I said, I'm not saying Marcus Simeon should not be a starter. I fully believe he should. But the fact oh, yeah. that he made it over Altuve surprised me a little bit. Not saying he's not deserving. It surprised me a little bit because we've seen a lot of those things happen where bigger names too do to get yeah. the fifty fifty sway. So. Very interesting. Um, But pitchers, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, Shane Bieber, Joe Tani, of course, on that list as well, Nathan Navaldi and our very own Gregory Soto. Tigers Hey-o. rise up. What a great time it is to be a Tiger fan. We have an all-star player. Finally again. Yeah. It's been too long. Finally. but National League, Buster Posey, Freddie Freeman, Adam Frazier, Nolan Arenado, Fernando Tatis, who is the largest vote-getter by far, Um, And then Ronald Acuna, our fellow Tiger, Nick Castellanos. And also Jesse Winkler rounding out the National League lineup. Um, Not surprised I think Tatis got voted in. Would you say, Joe?
1: Yeah. No. Anytime Tatis does anything, MLB just is like, get that on the Instagram. Get that on the Instagram. He does anything. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say this. I think NL is probably going to take the game. If, like, I don't. I forget who the else is like on their reserves and stuff like that, and kind of is going to come in the later innings. But I think it's going to be the first time that the NL uh, NL wins, I think, in a while because AL has been taking it for what, like the past like five years.
0: I think the AL has been winning it majority for the last ten years. I believe they have the higher record. Yeah. If I remember correctly. I think this will be a very interesting game, just because I It'll think be a lot there's closer, a lot closer. Oh yeah, I think it could be closer. It looks like this is kind of a new wave in a way. Like we've been used to seeing, like just looking at some of like the all, like the all star players that are on some of these lists that we're normally used to seeing, like a lot of them are on the reserves, not the starters. Like we're seeing a lot of yeah. young wave of talent. I mean, especially with the the starters on like the NL side, like we're seeing these young upstart guys like Tatis Acuna. Um, Jesse Winkler, like a lot of these younger guys that are starting to get up there, and it's not like, like I mean, for the AL, it's been kind of the same, but I mean, even for the NL, like Buster Posey, Freddie Freeman, like we've seen those guys here before, Arenado as well, but like the new guys kind of stepping in, like it's kind of a new wave now because we're seeing like seeing guys like Chris Bryant and Mookie Betts on the reserve list is like, whoa, that's wild, like that's insane, but these young guys have been playing super, super good baseball this year. And it's really good to to see because, I mean, frankly, like, the new wave is going to come. It's just kind of setting in as a reality. It's like, oh, here it comes. Like, we never thought that it would be the day.
1: I know. It's been been so long since, like, it just seems like yesterday, like, it was Derek Jeter's last All-Star game, you know? Like, when – but that was, like, five, six years – or I can't remember – it just seems like yesterday, but it was so long ago. So, like, it's just now you see these names like Fernando Tatis Jr. who's been coming up, Shohei Otani, these guys who are going to be the new wave of baseball that are going to be those Derek Jeters to these new fans and these younger fans and are going to be growing up and are going to have many more all-star games to come. It's just crazy to think that the day that so many people had marked on their calendar, where just going to be a new era of baseball and a new era of, play- new era of players coming in, is now just upon us and it's just like weird to think that now about how the players we grew up watching not going to be around as much anymore and the players that you know were young when we start like when we were starting to get into baseball are the guys who are the veterans now who are like you said like the Mookie Betts and stuff like that they're going to be going to the aisle or on the reserve list they're not going to be as much recognition anymore which is just crazy
0: yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Um, Any snubs that you believe, Joe? I, I have one in mind, but I'd love to hear who, who do you believe got snubbed from any of these lists.
1: Shoot yours first, Braden. I gotta say
0: Shoot mine first? Um, yeah. I could... I would definitely argue that um, Akil Badu should definitely make the list. No, I'm just kidding. I would oh, love to see... Sure. I, I'd love to see him on the list, just as a Tigers fan. But, um... Uh, one name that came up to mind, I would say that I was really surprised it wasn't on the list was Walker Bueller. The dude's been dealing. I think it's just kind of been under the radar with that Dodger staff having Bauer, Kershaw. Like, he's kind of fell into the back of the. Like, he's like not necessarily
1: like. It's like, a, it's like Porcello back in the day with the Tigers. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, he,
1: had, he was still dealing, but he had so many, like, big name guys ahead of him that he just, like, didn't get as much publicity.
0: Yeah, like, he's been doing great. I mean, I looked up some of the stats. I mean, 235 ERA. He's 8-1 in his... I believe he's had 12 or 13 starts so far. And, I mean, this was one was interesting that I read up. 4.59 strikeout to walk ratio. Like, that's legit. Like, I don't understand exactly how he missed the cut. I mean, then again, like, you're looking at a lot of these guys. Like, um... Jacob DeGrom, Hugh Darvish should def- probably definitely be on there. Corbin Burns has been a really cool story, especially at the beginning of the year when he's absolutely dealing. Um, there's, sure. like, the here's, the, like, the thing is, like, we just heard today, like, breaking news, da 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 if you don't have ESPN, like, Jacob DeGrom is likely not going to play, let alone possibly not even going to travel to the All-Star game. So, like, the fact is, is I'm almost wondering, like, could Walker Buehler be put in a spot there? Not saying, like he deserves it over jacob de grom if that was the no there's no argument there that there's no way we can put de grom underneath the walker bueller but just saying like this kid deserves to be an all-star and the fact he got snubbed a little disappointing
1: yeah um i'd say one of mine right now is probably max scherzer i know he was kind of pretty deserving on it i'm pretty sure like He's been one of the he's been the ace for the Nationals ever since he got traded from the Tigers. He's been playing solid. This year I think it's just been the NL is now so loaded with just all-star caliber pitching that I think just cuz he's getting older it's not as good, but I mean, he's still dealing. I mean, he's a guy who's been able to come in and like take like just been in control the whole time. So, I don't know. He seems to be a guy that really deserves a spot on the All-Star team, but just these new guys coming in and just that uh, stellar stellar NL pitching as we've been seeing so far this year has kind of been able to put him kind of on the back burner but nonetheless I think he deserves the spotlight
0: yeah I would I could I could see why you that that argument was case I know a lot of his teammates certainly weren't weren't sure how that he didn't make the team but um very interesting to see exactly how that plays out Um, I mean, it's going to be really excited though, as well with all the home run derby. I know we got some spots being filled. It seems like every hour now (laughs) for, for some reason, I guess it's kind of weird. Like they're announcing like one person at a time, like every six hours. And it's kind of driving me crazy because it's like, uh, I just want to know the list and they're not really saying the list. And it's kind of like, yeah, like I just want to know all late, like right away but instead, it's like, yeah, we're we're looking at this guy. He might do it, might not. He's considering it. And two days later, he's out. Somebody new is in, and you're just like, what? This doesn't make any sense. But um, the full I believe all the full bracket has been announced. Um, I was trying to pull it up just now, but my internet has decided to just stop for a second. But um, uh, I mean, having. On Soto now going to be joining that list, as well as Joey Gallo, I think, is going to make it super exciting. Uh, Matt Olson, I believe, just committed a couple hours ago to, to doing it. So uh, he's going to be kind of one of those people where it's like, he might do really, really well just based on, like, he can be very, very hot sometimes, and we've seen that a little ways this year, but we've also seen the consistency. So it, it, I think that one will be int- really interesting. But the field goes... With those three guys plus Shohei Ohtani, definitely the biggest name on that list, Pete Alonso, Trevor Story, Trey Mancini, and Salvador Perez. I gotta say that I feel like Joey Gallo might be one of the favorites here. I'd love to see Ohtani win, but I think this is gonna be going down to probably Pete Alonso and Joey Gallo because those guys can those guys can just hit bombs. Yeah. They're, they're just just the, the raw power is insane. Yeah, I don't
1: know if he has the stamina to go to because he has a great swing he has such a technical but will if he makes it to the third fourth round in the championship round can he keep that technique up to where he can hit home runs and i mean he's not a massive guy like gallo or or pete Alonso, who can literally just throw the bat out with one hand and barely squeak it over the wall you know so like it's gonna come down to that where can he can he keep up that pace can he keep up that stamina can he just like Stay at a steady way throughout the whole time where he won't get too tired. But I think Gallo and Pete Alonso are going to be the are going to be the ones to probably come out of it.
0: Yeah, I I could agree with those picks as well. I think it'll be really interesting because we're not seeing like Pete Alonso, Joey Gallo, those are probably the biggest names. Probably could put Salvador Perez in that list. There's no Aaron Judge, Giancarlo in this year's Derby, so it's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot different. It seems like the the home run Derby's kind of. Taking a little swing to the next generation. Just like of all of baseball. But uh, Just speaking of Shohei Otani, I mean, the the new record that he just set, most single season home runs by a Japanese-born player. um I believe he's at 32. And it's, we're only to the All-Star break. He's still going. He's on track for 64. 64 home runs. That's insane.
1: That's... For a pitcher? That's For a pitcher? That's that's insane. I can't I cannot imagine being that much of an athlete to where you can just do that. That's insane.
0: Yeah, I mean the fact like he can step on the field, throw a seven inning shutout, and then go hit two four or two three run bombs. That's like that's oh, like yeah. the dream.
1: All like, pumping triple digits.
0: Yeah. Like Shohei Otani, like uh, I heard some I heard something today, I can't remember who said it but basically saying that he was basically the next, like, raw superstar to be tearing up the league since Babe Ruth. And, I mean, I think that's a great comparison because Babe Ruth is really the last guy we thought about that could do this type of stuff that Shohei Otani's doing, both on the mound and with the bat. And it's just been very exciting to see that. And I think it's merely changing the dynamic of baseball because we've seen so many guys, I mean... We saw Sean Bedetti, like just a couple years ago, become the first uh, ambidextrous pitcher. And now it seems like we're seeing that a lot more common. And I think that's going to fully fold over to the Shohei Otani effect. We're going to see guys starting to find their way to college teams with their glove and their bat in the dugout. Like, we're going to see those guys trying to do what Shohei Otani is doing. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal just to show the athleticism and what he's doing. I mean, it's super good for baseball and it's really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can't, can't wait to see what happens with this. It's going to be, it's going to be a great, great all-star. all-star. It's going to be great for a lot of people who are excited to watch baseball. And have the home run derby and all-star game back too. It's going to be great.
0: Absolutely agree. Uh, one thing I am super excited about, Joe, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, our Detroit Tigers... Are we sleeping on the future 2021 World Series champions right now?
1: No. no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We've been, okay. we've been playing solid baseball. We've been see, playing solid baseball lately. but Yeah, I we
0: mean, won the month got, of June.
1: Uh, yeah, but we still got a, a long way to go if we want to be able to last against some good teams uh, in late October, if you know what I'm saying. but. I don't know. It's Tigers. I love where we're at. We got some solid young talent who are playing really well. Some solid talent who I wish was playing a little bit better. We had some higher expectations coming into them, but nonetheless, I think give them a couple like two or three years. I think we'll be back in the conversation for the AL Central a couple more times. So, I like where the Tigers are at. I love the people that we have around us. I love the uh, I love the team right now. But is it this year? Probably not. Next year. Probably not. But the year after that, I'd say we'll be contenders for, for that pennant uh, for the division. So,
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair timeline. I, I think my mind was pretty bold. But, like, this is the most shocking thing. We've got a super young team, a super, super high expectations. But really, like, the expectations have been set high. But, like, our prospects are hitting it. Like, we're seeing studs being born in our farm system and it's super exciting i know i got to firsthand watch our number our number one prospect in torkelson he had two three run three run bombs when i went to fifth third well not fifth third anymore lmcu ballpark
1: yeah i went i went the day before i went the day before he got called up to uh erie really to I think he had like six RBIs and like two doubles. It was insane. Yeah, he came up. I think we were up like ten to one at the time, but he came up with two men on. It was like the top or bottom of the eighth. So it was gonna be our last time at bat, and it was like everyone was cheering for him and yelling and stuff. And I'm just like, it's crazy to see the hype around a a guy who it, had hype coming into it, lived up to the hype, lived up to the expectations. Is climbing up the ranks like pretty fast, knock on wood. Hopefully, nothing happens to him. But to see that and to see everyone getting so excited for the future of our team is so great to see.
0: I would agree. I mean, this is the, the crazy thing. Like, right now, we're 40 and 47. Like, we're seven games out of 500. This is bonkers. Like, we were projecting a good season being somewhere around 60 to 70 wins, being an improvement. I mean, right now, we're on. Pace for 80. So, like, that's super, super exciting. And, like, the fact of it is we're or, hypothetically 80. It's not technically, but you know what I mean. Like, we're in that ballpark yeah, yeah. of 60 wins was happy, and we're exceeding that already. I mean, obviously, we're knocking on wood that nothing changes after the All-Star break. But, like, we're we're not last in our division because that's what everybody said we were going to be before the end of the season. So, take that, insiders like Minnesota, Kansas City, please get out of our way. Cleveland, you're next. Like that sort of a mentality is what I love to see. But I mean the reality is like this this farm system that we've been like trusting our gut with so far, it's been looking pretty darn good. And I'm not going to say like we have the number 1 farm system. I'm I'm smart enough to know we don't. But right now like this is one of the most exciting classes of prospects we've had in a year that I've ever seen, like in my lifetime as yeah. far as Detroit Tigers well, baseball Dingler, goes.
1: Dingler, who was on the Whitecaps too, that got pulled up with Torkelson, he was a surprising add-on. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't know that we picked up him or like what round we picked up him in the draft, but I mean, he came in, I think he's only he was only on the Whitecaps a little bit longer than Torkelson. I think he was like at the end of last year, he got pulled up or something, and he had like... Eight more home runs than Torkelson did on the Whitecaps, and they both got pulled up to the SeaWolves. So like, it's it's very promising. I love where we're at, and hopefully we can keep it going.
0: Yeah, I mean the fact we have Riley Torkelson, Dylan Dingler, and Riley Green all on a t- all on a team together all on the diamond in the same lineup, whoo, very scary it's stuff. Scary. And then we still got it. A-
1: Wish I lived in Erie to be honest.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. And, I mean, we still got, like, lower-level guys that are in a great position. Like, I mean, we still got Daniel Cabrera, Parker Meadows, um, Matt Manning. I mean, obviously, he's now been pulled up. Paredes has been pulled up. Like, we've seen these guys in action. And it's been super exciting to see because, I mean, this this team is really ready to launch. And I'm going to be super excited to To see where this takes us, because I mean, in reality, like we've got a good coaching staff now. We're on the we're on the right path with AJ Hinch. It seems like I mean we're winning we're winning more games now. It seems like using our skills. Like we've seen a lot of the times where hypothetically we'd be in a game against a lower lower caliber opponent, and it's just kind of like sometimes we just fold over. It seemed like last year, and I mean obviously I knew our roster is pretty low and that sort of thing, but. A.J. Hinch has been done, doing a pretty good job of putting guys in position. And the one thing that I was really looking forward to looking into, like, the background of A.J. Hinch and some of the things that we've done to see what would change is young guys are getting called up, and they're ready to play. And they're doing a great job. I mean, we just saw Zach Short putting on a show a couple days ago. Like, he's he's doing it spectacular. Great play. great play he made. Yeah, Castro as well. Like, these guys are stepping up to the plate, and they're literally – knocking base hits left and right in their first major league appearances. Super fun to see and I'm super excited about the future of this team cuz if you're a Tigers fan, I can't anticipate any time that you would not be excited about a team like this cuz it's been it's been something special. Well, moving on into our I guess our last cluster, I guess miscellaneous cluster you could say of topics, recent news in the sports world. I know Joe, you're dying to talk about that lovely golf match last night where Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers took down Mr. Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson not going to lie I had Mickelson and Tom but I guess you can't win them all and that's what Tom's learned in the end I guess
1: mm-hmm. yeah um, it was alright to watch It was there were some times where like both uh, Aaron and Tom had some great shots I know Tom had like a like a, I think like a 380 like 390 drive or something like that that he got like a gracious bounce off of and it just went insanely far but other than that i think that's like the only good thing tom did because like we realized like or like i realized at least from like last time like he's all he's above average but he's still not a great golfer if that makes like Mm -hmm. because like he had some times where like he messed up and i mean aaron had it too but it was just more of a difference of like like it's just like same thing in competitions like who messes up more will probably lose and you know when bryson's piping consistently just like 350 just in massive bombs and it leaves aaron with a solid little approach shot or a par five where you can get him close and stuff like that it's a it's a huge difference when you already have a 30 to 40 yard like uh like catch-up spot that you got to work for with phil and tom so I don't know, it was a fun thing to watch. It was fun to see Tom losing lose gracefully. He posted some funny memes with the with the Brooks and Bryson uh, um format uh, about how uh making memes and trash talk doesn't equivalent to making to being good at golf, which was pretty funny, but uh nonetheless I'm excited to see who they choose next year. Uh but I mean, it was just really good golf from Bryson and Aaron, so
0: yeah, I would I would like to say, like, Aaron Rodgers, much better golfer than I was anticipating. Like, the, the guy was very consistent, and I think that was really kind of the, I guess the, the analysis factor, you could say, that kind of won them is, like... Yeah. Bryson was going for broke off the tee, which everyone expected, right? But, like, the fact oh, yeah. is, like... Pound him. Yeah. He, like, I mean, going for the 500-yard drive, I think it was on... Whole like 12 or 13 or whatever it was that long like 770 yard par 5 like you knew that was coming but like you always could have pretty a pretty good faith in Aaron to put it on the fairway regardless of where it was he did a really good job of yeah. putting it on the fairway and then you, you let Bryson get up to the tee and just go for broke and try to get as much yardage as possible because I mean we saw like I know like his strategy is like if you can get up there as close as you can, like it really, the lies really don't matter as much. But I think like we saw like consistency kind of won out. And I mean, I think there was some times where Phil kind of put a little bit too much faith in Tom's hands and that kind of backfired on him a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think we still saw very consistent golf from Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. And I think that's what really kind of led him to the title. Because I think that that consistency won out there at the end.
1: Yeah, it was funny to kind of just, uh, again, just hear, like, the uh, banter uh, between everybody. And even, like, just, like, the, the, I forget who was hosting it, but was, like, uh, asking, like, Aaron, like, do you think you're going to be, like, the quarterback in Green Bay? What's the situation there? He's like, oh, I don't know about that. And it was just, like, funny to hear everybody. And, um, you know, I'm excited for next year. Not sure who who's going to be, not sure who's going to be uh, getting the call. But I don't know if it'll be Tom and, Tom and uh, Phil again. We'll see what happens, though.
0: Yeah, it'd be kind of repetitive if they kept using Tom. I heard somebody say yeah. something about um, you should get um, who was it? There was one that involved Bill Murray, and I think it was um, oh I can't remember. They wanted Bill Murray and Brooks? somebody, huh? Brooks might have been. Yeah, I think it was like, I don't. I want. I don't want to say it was. Um, it was some I can't remember who it was now, but they wanted Bill Murray involved, and I think there was another comedian in there, and I thought that'd be pretty funny. Uh, I also remember I vaguely remember them talking about like a Spieth Romo type deal with like Bryson and Brady. I think was the idea, but I think that you would need a little bit of a different matchup as far as that. Yeah. I'd love to see um, I'd love to see Tiger go back again. I don't know if he will do it again, but I feel like he like everybody kind of getting what the match was all about in the first round. Like now I'd love to see some guys go back again and just go at it again because I think it'd be really fun. Especially a guy like Tiger who of course has an arsenal of trash talk that he can use. Somebody brought up bringing in MJ. I'm all for it because i love to see MJ golf in an atmosphere
1: like that. I think the trash talk of MJ would just be like going at everyone's throats because him with, with trash talk and when there's money on the line... And especially golfing, I would just love to see him just just go unhinged. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. We should get what if we had LeBron and MJ golfing together to settle the goat debate? Like there's
1: completely unrelevant. <laughs> who's the better who's the better athlete?
0: Yeah, we need That'd to see 40. who golfs better. No, I thought MJ was actually a pretty funny idea. I think that'd be really cool to see that. I think you'd get a lot of ratings from that. Could you imagine Phil and MJ going at each other like, like this? Be like, that would be, be bonkers. But we'll have to Back look forward, forward to what match funny. five brings because that'll be super exciting. Yeah. But moving into NHL, we haven't really talked about Stanley Cup. I was going to talk about it last week, but um, we had a little flipsy do on the. On the, in the co host chair between Tr- Joe and Travis, but I know you've been following a little bit, Joe. What are your thoughts on this lightning run that we've seen in the Stanley Cup so far?
1: Should have been the Islanders, man. Should have been the Islanders. <laughs> I need to say but, that. <laughs> I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's. Montreal was just. I knew that they weren't going to really put up a huge fight when they came in because, I mean, they are underdogs. Love the story going right now about how they were literally doubted of making the playoffs halfway through the season and now they you know made this big run they ended up getting the uh they get getting the game four win, extending the extending the season or series i liked it actually because i wish if tampa bay was going to win a stanley cup i'd rather them win in tampa bay in front of a packed stadium than win in montreal with 500 first responders there that you know, don't care if they like don't like the Lightning. So I'm glad that like they're back in Tampa for for this game. I I forget are they playing tonight or they playing tomorrow? I can't remember. But regardless, I'm excited. I think Lightning will probably take this one. If not, they'll probably take Game Six. I don't think it's gonna go to a Game Seven by any means because like Canadians, they're just not matching what the Lightning are bringing to the table. I mean, Kucherov, I think has like 10 points or something like that in these playoffs. Uh, these playoffs. He had an insane amount last series he's one of the guys who really uh, pushed the lightning over the top for the Islanders it personally but nonetheless he's one of the, I think the best players in the league right now and I just there's not really anybody on the Canadians that is matching him. Cole Caulfield has been surprising for them so far especially just coming out of the draft getting pulled up so fast and getting put in a great, in a a pressure filled situation. I think he has like, he had like four goals or something like that against the, or four goals or four points. I can't remember against the Golden Knights, but nonetheless, like it's just a situation that like, I don't think Montreal is going to last much longer because the lightning is just that, that much better.
0: Yeah. And I did look up just now, like um, as far as um, right now that we're recording July 7th, like they are live in, um, The second period, I, th- I was like, I wasn't sure as well if it was tonight or last night. It is on right now um, on NBC. So if you're watching this, I guess this will be coming out a little bit after. Um, I guess the, if you did g- watch it. The game will end. I hope that you watched, I guess, is what we'll say. Because it sounds like it's a really good game right now. Still knotted up at 0-0. But, yeah, I agree. I think if the Lightning don't win here, it's going to be easily in 6. Because that offensive firepower they've shown... Being able to put bucks in the net has just been something crazy to see. I mean, putting up what was it, the eight spot early on in the series, that's that's hard to come by, yeah. I, I guess. Like, I don't know how the Canadians can go into the they locker have... room and rally themselves together with motivation after getting getting put an eight yeah. spot on them in the Stanley Cup. Like that's that's well, they, tough to do.
1: The Islanders are leaps and bounds better than canadians obviously it's a biased opinion but it's basically almost facts and the lightning still put up i think it was like if i can remember craig it was like another eight spot against us and i think it was like game two or three so lightning have what it takes to compete with anybody and i think montreal is doing a great job of like keeping it close especially in this game too but like i said I don't think that this luck is gonna run very much longer for them. And I think this spout this little spout of uh of good hockey is gonna end pretty soon.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean literally the most ironic thing, breaking news, I guess, in my on my um phone via Bleach report, just learned Blues winger Tarshenko is wanting a trade. And he wants out of St. Louis, so now another big name free agent now gonna be on that the market tough. for teams coming that up this tough. upcoming season. So yeah that one's a little a little surprising, I guess
1: I guess I'm not he was gonna just lie, I was kinda surprised about that one. I thought Terrasenko <laughs> was there for the for the long haul
0: yeah I guess um right now they're trying to facilitate a deal for them but um gonna be interesting now to see where those teams went. I mean the blues <laughs> really good shape a couple years ago, and now it's just kind of i don't wanna say like slowly falling apart, but it's kind of disintegrating yeah. slightly so how they're going
1: to rebound is interesting. Teresinko at the time wasn't even playing. He was injured during the series. So mm-hmm. he didn't even get to play in the cup and like I don't know, it's that team kind of quickly fell apart as just everybody started to like lose or not lose, but like once like everybody kind of their contracts started to run up and all that like they're not where they used to be, but I mean, with Teresego leaving that just adds to another another hole they got to fill if they want to be back to the top.
0: Yeah, absolutely. going to be interesting to see how the NHL is going to, um, how these teams are going to attack the offseason, especially how we've seen a lot of teams pay a lot of money and coming up a little bit short compared to some other teams. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned the Canadians. I think a lot of people would have put anybody but the Canadians in this spot against the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. But going to be very interesting. But into basically our last topic here of the show before our debate, of course, Kirk Collier not. One that we've been talking about a little bit and that I know a lot of people are probably curious on what, um, I guess, my personal thoughts are, and I will give them to you in just a minute, but the NCAA changing the NIL. NIL, I hate how they use that because it sounds like NOI, which is not the same thing, but anyway, name, image, and likeness is what it stands for. They changed the policy. Now, a lot of NCAA athletes are able to benefit from their NIL name image and likeness i think it was a matter of time and i think that it's going to make a lot of people happy but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because it's going to have to be regulated at some point
1: right yeah because i mean you could like there's a lot of people who I like especially like if zion if this happened when zion was around zion could have been a millionaire in college RJ Bear could have been a millionaire. Johnny Manziel could have been a millionaire college. Oh, my goodness. In college. During that run, I think, I like you said, it was just the t- clock was ticking to those colleagues. I think if you remember the destroying case where he monetizes YouTube videos then he lost his scholarship, I think that's when the fire got lit under the NCAA to change his policy. I know a lot of people are happy now. I'm happy now because it means that a lot of these people who, you know, might be you know D two athletes or D one athletes that might not be good enough to make it to the league and make it to that pro status, and have sacrificed so much to get to that college spot and might just miss out on that. They can still you know make money in college just by you know doing endorsements and stuff like that. I am interested to see what they do for like brand deals. You know what I'm saying? If like, just for an example, like if like some like if uh, Ferris athletes signed with like Nike or like if like. And we're like an Under Armour school. Like, what are they going to do with that stuff if that ever comes up or if that's kind of an issue? But I wonder, like, with that type of stuff, what they're going to do with it. But I think it's a great thing, especially. But I'm more curious as here, like, what are you thinking about it, Brandon?
0: Yeah, so, like, I know a lot of people probably know that I have a little bit of mixed feelings on the subject because just from the fact of what college is about obviously does not reflect of this, but obviously some – I would an organization taking money away from somebody using their pretty much their identity is obviously wrong as well so like there's times where i i have a look a couple of different things that i like on both sides but at the end of the day like this benefits so many athletes and i think it was really kind of and i say a matter of time because the the idea of how social marketing has benefited so much and i mean just the fact of how many people like we're talking about the high school overtime league that's now been taking place. That's basically kind of jumping over the NCAA because everybody was saying, you know what, you're taking away from me. No, no, you're not. I'm going a different route and you can't stop me kind of a thing. And we've yeah. seen all these different rebel, like I guess you can't really say uh, rebellious leagues, but you know what I mean? Like all these leagues that are against the NCAA and they, they want to try to give like people the opportunity to, Take a different route in life, not necessarily go to college and not necessarily play college basketball, go straight to a different league, make some money and then develop yourself to go straight to the NBA, which sometimes might be a better option for some people might not be for others. But at the end of the day, like the per- I guess the personal bit that I will point out is the fact that like a lot, a lot of these like athletes are like some of them want to make money out of other sports places that not necessarily involve what they're doing with the NCAA. Like for example, like um like there's some people that want to make like they they want to do something as far as um like make some sort of show like a podcast or whatever, like kind of like what I'm doing. And some of them won't like they can't get paid even though like in reality they might be a college football player and their show's about books or something. And just the fact that, like, the NCAA can.
1: Not even related to it. Yet. Yeah,
0: they, they can make them related, even though it's not because they're saying they're listening because he's an athlete, but it's like, it's book reading,
1: you know? Like, Like there's yeah, just some there's things no that don't line up. To it, but I don't know. I The NCAA has just been a. Uh, I just feel like it's been a organization that. Uh, I wouldn't say corrupt by any means, but it's just been a. Or like they just needed to change a lot of the things that they've been doing for so many years, and I think that this is kind of in the uh, a good uh, in the right direction of it. I mean, this was like has been a debate for so long. I mean, I think it's been a I think got a huge spark when NCAA football went down and so many people were not up in arms about it. So that means we're gonna get NCAA college football back, obviously. But that's what I'm excited about. But it's like now you can have people who you know. I mean, because college athletes, they have no time to make money in college. Like, you're – especially talking to you, Brandon, about your schedule, it's like it's wake up, work out, class, eat, go to academics and stuff like that, work out again or, like, practice or something, eat, and then go to bed. And then it's repeat the same thing. What? When can you fit in a job other than the summer? It's like you – especially, like, if, like, you're not on scholarship and you are – you can't like commute to school. How are you gonna pay rent? Especially if your parents can't help you. How are you gonna pay rent? It's like it makes no. St- so like at least now you have a chance to be able to make money off your of likeness. You have a chance to make a few extra bucks on the side, and I give you a little bit more freedom while you're in college. Like while you're in college, and able to kind of have some, I guess either have some fun or help out with your financial difficulties that you're experiencing. If you have the opportunity that uh, that brings to you, where you can make a, a, a solid amount of money off your likeness.
0: Yeah, like there's tons of positives and negatives with uh, along. And I think like that point, I think is one that is kind of important, like for like athletes. I think a lot of them or a lot of people don't realize how much people sp- put time in their craft as far as athletics go, especially college athletes. Um, I mean, you could even really expand it to fo- like football players and basketball players in general, which are pretty much the main two as far as consideration and media attention with them, because like the fact is, like, some of these D1 programs, they have, like, we've, I mean, if you guys haven't seen Day in the Life videos of these guys, like, it's legit, like, they're lifting twice a day, practice once a day, and they're trying to tackle 9 to 12 credits a semester, and what do you got in between? Like, that's just the, the reality of yeah. it, and I mean, for for a, a lot of these, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up for, like, um, just the ability to support themselves, because I, like, college costs a lot. We know that that piece of it for sure. And just being able to provide them with something that's made off of them. And I think that's the biggest thing is now people can use themselves as marketing, not necessarily NCA using you as marketing. And I mean, there's just a lot of different ways that they can support themselves. Now, obviously some people can take advantage of it and they can go a different route in life and maybe not have uh, like a backup plan as far as academics go. But that's, I mean, their choice. And I think that's what it comes down to is now there's an option of, now you have an opportunity to use the tool of your outreach on whatever platform of network you're on to support yourself. And then there's always, like, the, the fact is, like, there's nothing wrong with somebody choosing a way to go in life. And, like, there's now the opportunity for so much more that can be discussed along those lines just because like this just opens up a lot of doors that's really what it comes down to and i think a lot of it is like i mean we've already seen guys already sign i know your your favorite college quarterback joe mr spencer rattler signed one with raising canes which i thought was very interesting so like but like now he's got money coming in from like a from fast food like like that that's just the way that he wants to live and that's that's what his choice and that's what i think it comes down to but now being able to be provided the choice of now that you can do this and like i know a couple friends of myself that have already been that have already jumped on the train of being able to support themselves that's great like signing partnership deals signing marketing deals like that's fine like i'm totally cool with it it just brings more choices to it now it's just really interesting to see and i think one thing that's going to be super interesting not trying to go too long in here in my monologue but mm-hmm. one thing that's going to be interesting to me is now seeing the the jumping as far as where people are going to school now is going to be going to change and i think especially with the transfer portal is going to probably yeah. explode school
1: plays, schools play a big difference of like what your publicity can get
0: yeah because yeah I'll know...
1: oh, go, go
0: ahead, oh sorry I uh, uh, no, I think we're I think we're going on the re- like the, the same same mind length here like the fact like now there's going to be people that are going to be looking at school based on marketability not necessarily yeah. their best fit on like there might be an opportunity for somebody for example you got a four-star quarterback looking to go somewhere they might become a fourth string quarterback at USC not ever play even though, just because they that's a better marketability for social media, and that's what they want yeah. to
1: support themselves on. Yeah, being out in L.A. and stuff, it's like, it's like someone might rather choose like I could get some like market, like I could get free publicity if I go to Alabama instead of and fight for a roster spot between three people. And if I make it, then like, hey, that's forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand more followers for me, and that's more money in my bank account basically rather than going to like a smaller D one school where you'll get the playing time where you have a better chance. No, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen where guys won't sure. choose to like our guys or girls won't choose to go to like where they'll get more playing time and stuff. But I think now it's like, Hey, I have, I am, I'm a four. Like, I have 200,000 followers right now. I could get a million, two million followers. If I go to this school where I could maybe get like four hundred thousand if I go to this school. That's, I think that's going to be a bigger decision now. Where you're going to see a lot of lot of high school athletes and a lot of like incoming college or college athletes now, starting to get agents basically and trying to figure out what's best for them coming in their future.
0: Yeah, and the bottom line of this whole thing, and I guess that's the the idea that everybody's around at this point is, the NCA is not controlling athletes' images anymore they're not profiting off of them anymore which i think is what everybody wants and i think for good reason because obviously you don't it's want good. anybody taking advantage of somebody else's marketability so i mean it's going to it's going to be interesting i guess the the part of how it's going to be regulated cuz i think that there there has to be a point where Like just basing off of what we've seen already, I think there's a point where it could be regulated because it might get too wild enough to where there might be some questionable things happening with marketing or whatever. Like there there's there's so much there's so many opportunities now. It's questioning are these all gonna be legitimately free reign free reignable? Is that a word? Sure, we'll make it a word. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different options now will it be regulated or are we just gonna let everyone run wild with this that's yeah. where I'm gonna be really monitoring but at the end of the day I think it's I think it's a good thing to see now that athletes can mm-hmm. provide themselves and support yeah. in a way and they can have more options to go with their with their choices as far as yeah. being able to go out and be marketable as themselves rather than somebody else making it for
1: them yeah well we've already seen like from our last point is like we've already seen like Where athletes have gone. I mean, Adrian Nunez. He's like a bat. He was wasn't a starter on the Michigan basketball team. He was kind of like the maybe seventh, eighth man. But he has like I think two million followers on TikTok. And I saw like the day that they were like, yeah, you can now make money off like your image and likeness. He made merch, and I think he made probably a good amount of money from it because it's pretty nice. So like now, like that you can do that. I know that he's not going to be the only athlete to do that. And now like you know athletes who have big YouTube channels with maybe two hundred, three hundred thousand subscribers, like they can monetize it now. They can make money off of ads. And I uh, it's it's de- it's definitely gonna be introduced interesting to see where everyone goes with it and what avenues are gonna be maybe uh altered in the future and which ones are gonna be kinda of like slowed down but like yeah, like you can't like do this or but you can do that and stuff like that. But Nonetheless, it's cool to see where everyone's going with it right now as to see where everyone's imagination is for what they what they can do to make money now.
0: Yeah, and one name I think that's going to be associated with this prayer for a long time is um, I believe Daniel De La Hoya is going to be that guy. I mean, he's his name is quoted as destroying. He's the man on YouTube with, I, I don't actually know how many mm-hmm. subscribers he has, but, I mean, the yeah, he was like a
1: couple he, million.
0: Yeah. He was the guy, notably, back in, I believe it was yeah. 2017 or 2016, that was kicked off of the UC... Or I shouldn't say kicked off. He was um, reported as violated from making money off of his YouTube channel as a UCF um, athlete, and he was the kicker on the football team. And he basically was told by the NCAA to make a choice, YouTube channel or football. Like, you're going to have to get rid of one or the other. And he ended up choosing YouTube, and he's doing really well for himself and i mean yeah, once... it's a
1: good it's a good good choice for him
0: yeah and i guess really now the the scoreboard says destroying one ncaa zero with this decision and yeah. i i he was super he walks, excited so seeing these that. could run yeah absolutely so very interesting but um joe does that mean we need to start making mbsp merch dude i think that might I have guess to be so dude i <laughs> <Now laughs> have to, to do now it. that
1: we got to go ahead let's roll it out
0: let's, <laughs> guys... <laughs> let's roll with it already <laughs> Uh, we'll have to we'll have to see what, what um, our, our corporate bosses think about that one. But um, don't forget to yeah. check out the MBSP on Bulldog Radio, of course. Checking out all of our Shot Caller shows live as a podcast. Yeah, you heard that right. If you want to, maybe you just don't want to see our faces that day. That's fine. Whatever. You can listen to us on Spotify. That's that's another way that you can check out the show. But going into our Call Your Shot debate, we've got one based on this nil conversation of which athlete would have made the most nil profit as far as their marketability is concerned i think there's a thousand options here joe and i think they're all there's a lot of good ones but i just want to hear the one that you think would have the most
1: there's a lot that you could choose but i think in my opinion who could have in the in the short span I think you know where I'm going. in the short span where he was relevant and good is Johnny Manziel. He yep. could have made millions, and I I mean millions of dollars off his likeness just because of the cash money man Manziel. Like, if you made T-shirts with that, people would have bought it. Like, if he, like, so, like, trademarked that and made that, like, his own, he would have made so much money off of merch and everything. Like, you could have put that on everything. T-shirts, mugs, like phone, like anything you wanted, you could put that on. Plus autographs. I mean, he told story. I mean, it's, I guess it's not allegedly, but I guess it is now. Or like, he would sign like ten thousand pieces of autographs and make a uh, like three k or like thirty k or something like that under the table. And it's like it's crazy to see how like it was so shamed upon back then, but now that like it's all good, but i don't know there's so many more i could think of i mean you got like zion rj Barrett. like i said earlier i mean now you got i mean it's just crazy like i mean you could do like brian bosworth back in the day with the mullet that he had like you could have marketed off that uh you could have done so many more i mean there's there's so many but i'm just like blanking right now what are yours mm-hmm. Brandon?
0: yeah i how you brought up brian bosworth and he's Related to the person that I was going to select, aka the guy that ran him over in the Seattle kingdom and that's Bo Jackson. If they would have had oh, the ability sure. to be profited back in the '80s so at Auburn, work. this dude's hitting 500 he, foot bombs. He came up, Ninety. He came up
1: with the bow nose at the time.
0: Bo knows, Bo knows would have exploded on the college circuit. And if you have never seen, you don't know Bo the 30 ESPN 30 for 30, I highly recommend it. It's one of, it's my favorite 30 it's for 30, my favorite. Yeah. It's Hands my down. It's not even close. Like it, I like that whole story is absolutely incredible. I Bo Jackson's marketability during that time. Oh, my Lance. Superman, man. And this was before he was even considering doing both sports. like, This is back in college like he was doing this like a lot of this crazy stuff now obviously he's remembered as the guy that was one of the greatest dual sport players of all time arguably with Deion sanders who'd also be another one that would definitely be worth mentioning on that list but oh yeah obviously like he's a little bit in the past so marketing was definitely different back then i think zion was going to be my second selection for obvious reason of how his pretty much his media fame going into uh, going into duke just would have made him explode so and obviously, with all the deals that he's made already, pretty safe to assume he would have made yeah. a lot of them in college already with that opportunity. So there's a, there's a lot of great names, and I think I think there
1: one another one I was just thinking is JJ Reddick, when he was hated on heavily. At yeah,
0: Duke,
1: he would have made a lot of money. Like any mm-hmm. any player that was hated on that had an insane amount of hate, like Christian Leitner, Grayson Allen, basically any of those Duke guys, like they would have made top dollar for like any merch that they made or if they like did like i don't know if they went on like shows or something like that or signed autographs so much money they could have made yeah the bosworth scheme like
0: did you hear about the bosworth like the bosworth enterprises t-shirt scheme kind of thing oh yeah yeah like a lot of those guys could do that and for the The listeners that don't know what what we're talking about what happened while like with brian bosworth is like everybody started to hate him on the outside and he literally made his own t-shirts that had like that fans bought because it said like we hate the boss or whatever and people would buy them because they hated him so much and guess who's making all the money from it brian bosworth he's literally making money off of people hating him and it was Pretty glorious plan, obviously, well thought out because it ended up working out. But, like, just the fact that some people could do that. J.J. Redick was, ironically, one of those guys. Leitner, obviously, probably the most hated man in college sports of all time, basically, by what we've heard and seen. So, I mean, I think there's so many other names we could throw in the hat. I think we definitely nailed a lot of them. And I think it's just going to be super interesting to see how this progresses. It progresses over the upcoming years because, I mean, marketability has been skying through the roof. It's a lot easier to get popular now than it has been ever before, and I think it's only going to go up from here. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be it's gonna be a new age of college sports. It's going to be a new age of sports uh, overall. So uh, very exciting to see what goes on uh, in the near future. For sure. But thank you guys for
0: tuning in. Episode 5 in the books. You're truly Brandon and Joe on the call once again. Don't forget... Follow us on YouTube with that subscription button if you like this episode. For more coming up, if you want to see show highlights and more, go check out the MVSP on YouTube. You can check that out in the description below to hear myself and Joe Nagy's best bits and takes from the show because they're definitely worthwhile, I would say, right, Joe?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. If you you haven't seen them yet, check them out. Yeah, you should.
0: And Travis's, too. We won't forget about Travis. Oh, yeah. I yeah, we gotta get to we also gotta get Barrett on the show too. Barrett, shout out if you're listening. We need you on this show, dude. Always. So thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time.
1: Take care everybody.